I'm Shelley Schlender for HowOnEarthRadio.org. This is an extended interview with Marcela Otolora. Otolora is a Boulder psychotherapist and the principal investigator of the Boulder branch of the FDA-approved worldwide studies of using MDMA in the treatment of post-traumatic stress disorder, also known as PTSD. MDMA is classed as a federally illegal drug. However, the FDA has approved the drug for use in clinical trials of an intense psychotherapy protocol that includes MDMA. Now here's more detail from Marcela Otolora. One of the things that is different is that we're using MDMA and staying with the participant during the whole time that the drug is, uh, is in effect and after. So we stay with them when we give them MDMA, we stay with them for eight hours. Part of that time is the drug taking effect and part of it is also the beginning of integration when the medicine is no longer in their system, but we're still working with the participant. That's one of the differences. It's not something that they take and they take home and they do on their own and they report back. The psychotherapy piece is very important as part of it. The MDMA is one part of it and the psychotherapy part is the other piece of it. And then that we also have a team of two people male-female teams. So that also adds to trust and safety and it's easier for people to work with maybe the male therapist because they have the support of the female therapist there or vice versa. Do you know in advance what the trauma is that somebody went through? In the study, they have had measures done by an independent rater. And part of those measures are the CAPS, which is the Clinician Administered PTSD Scale. It has a lot of detailed information about their trauma, and we do get that information before we start with them. Before the first time taking MDMA, do you meet with them in advance? Yes. In the phase two, I met with them first to see if they could be enrolled. If I thought, oh yes, this seems like a good candidate, and then they would go on to getting the assessments done and the medical screening to see if they could be enrolled. And then if they were enrolled, then a therapy team was assigned to them. And then that therapy team met with them three times before doing MDMA, so three 90-minute sessions. And then lots of sessions afterward, too. And then in between, also three sessions in between each MDMA treatment to then, we call the first ones preparatory sessions, then the first treatment session with MDMA, then three integrative sessions, and then another time, then it repeats, and another time of doing, uh, another day of doing the medicine. All right, so in one month, there's one eight-hour session with the MDMA experience. Yes. And then there's weekly psychotherapy sessions. Yes. And then this goes on for three months. It went on for th We were testing three different doses. Two of them were considered full doses, which was 100 milligrams and 125, with an option of a supplemental dose an hour and a half later. So they'll get... Uh, half of whatever they got first. And it's a double-blind study, so we didn't know what they got. We did test what we call a comparator, which was an active placebo, so it had low-dose MDMA. And the people who got low-dose MDMA did two treatments, and then we unblinded, 
and if they got the low dose, they went on to do three full dose sessions. So those people were in the study for six months. Did you find that the dose made a difference? Well, we are kind of looking into that and seeing what would the effects were. We've been surprised in some of the, you know, for some people, they prefer the 125, some people prefer the 100, for, but mostly the 125 seemed like it was a good dose. And we did know that for the active placebo, it was good for those people to go and do full dose sessions so that that was too low. Okay, so the active placebo was too low. What is it, 100 and 125 of what? So 125 milligrams of MDMA. And then an hour and a half later, a supplemental dose of half of that. And then for the 100, the people who took 100, then an hour and a half later, they got 50. Does body size make a difference on the dose? We did not count milligram per kilogram. We just had these three. In all of this, are you developing a protocol to train clinicians on how to work with somebody in this therapy? Yes, so we have a manual. We train therapists. Um, for instance, like now we're getting ready for phase three. Phase three has 14 sites, 12 of them in the US, and we trained all the therapists that are going to be in those sites with our manual and our protocol. I guess Will is going to be one of your therapists this time. Yes, he is. He was our study physician for phase two, but he was also one of our therapists. He knows how to do this already. Yes, and he will be one of our therapists for phase three. Are you going to test your manual on some of the therapists and see if it trains them adequately? We're doing a study called MP16, and that study is for each therapy team will get to work with one person with an open label, which means that they know what they are getting, that they're getting MDMA, because phase three will have a full placebo. We're adding that piece. Every therapy team from all the sites will have a chance to work with one open label participant. Open label means they'll know. Yes, it will be uh, full dose. The open label person will be their chance to know ahead of fully that that one person for sure is taking the full dose yes. of DNA. What is the placebo going to be? Is it going to be caffeine in a pill or something like that? No, it's completely a placebo. Sugar? I'm not exactly sure what they put in it, but yes. A sugar pill, probably. Yeah. Sugar can affect people. Yeah, I'm not sure even sure if it has sugar. I don't know. How big is a pill of MDMA? It's not, it's just like a small capsule. What is easy and what is hard about being an MDMA therapist? I think what is hard is that it is time consuming and it calls for you to be present for long periods of time. Sometimes people can be pretty activated or get afraid when the medicine is coming on, and so it could be, uh, it could be scary for them. We need to be there to hold that space and for us to be okay with intense emotions. So sometimes that's difficult, for a therapist, but I think it's being able to know that you're here for long periods of time and we're wanting to be there for the participant. 
what are the kinds of situations that can come up when somebody's experiencing the MDMA and talking through their trauma. Experiences of war, things that they saw, things that they did, things that happened. We had quite a few participants in phase two that came from complex PTSD, meaning that they had gone through extended periods of time, sometimes years of physical sexual abuse as children. That was some of the cases that we had. So going into mostly their feelings, you know, there is the story piece of it, but also important is the feelings that maybe have been blocked because they were just so hard to get to. There was so much fear to really go into how did they feel when this was happening. That is one of the things that MDMA does, is allows them to trust themselves to go into those feelings that maybe they have never gone into. How do you know what the feelings are people are having? What are they doing that lets you know that they have a strong emotion? People can shake. Sometimes there's a heart rate, you know, uh, MDMA causes um, blood pressure to go up a little bit when it comes on and that can get accentuated as well. That there is heart rate, that there's um, maybe some sweating, maybe some pressure and pain in the body. You know, like I feel a lot of pressure on my chest, for instance, and, and we can explore what that pressure is, they realize, wow, I, I was holding my breath, you know, I was trying not to breathe, or I was completely going away and dissociating from the experience, and now I see what was really happening. A lot of crying. A lot of crying? Yeah, it could be crying, it could be even screaming. Anger can come up of really getting in touch with the anger of what was done to them. Some people would say people would be better off just letting all of that hide away. A lot of people do that because it's so difficult to bring it up and it's still stored in the body and it still comes out in one way or another. It can come out in so many different ways that compromises a person's experience of life which is why they want to do this treatment because they feel those restrictions and that they haven't really lived. One of the things that was pretty common in the study was the grief in the morning that happened when participants realized how compromised their lives had been and how they hadn't fully lived. Maybe it's the first time they get in touch with that, of that grief of not having lived a full life up to that point in their lives. After the first three months, you don't check in really with these people until a year later. They don't have to check in with us until a year later. Many of them do and let us know how they're doing. We still hear from them and it's been three years and we still get pictures. We get invited to graduations and weddings. They let us know how they're doing. How are they doing? They're doing great. I mean, a lot of them are doing very, very well. Some of them went back to school. They're able to finish school where they hadn't been able to before. They're able to have jobs and relationships that can be more open and healthier for them. 
they're able to really begin to live the life they dreamed of, take steps to that. And it doesn't mean that difficulties don't come up and pain doesn't happen, but that they're able to manage that pain in a healthier way. What is your hope for these studies? My hope is that MDMA can be an option. MDMA psychotherapy can be an option for people suffering and that it's not going to be for everyone, but that it can be an option that they can access, that they can go to a clinic where there are trained clinicians in this model, that they can work with them. That's my hope. Such a contrast from what most people think of with MDMA as the ecstasy party drug. Yes. It's a very different, uh, a very different experience because it is really about working, going deep into something that feels really difficult, sometimes impossible, like a, a trauma experience that maybe has been warded off. And so it's really about focusing on that the entire time. And it's not to say that sometimes they don't have wonderful moments during their MDMA experience. It can be about sometimes the first time of connecting to self and actually loving self and protecting and honoring who they are. Sometimes dancing even, you know, just kind of being able to have a moment of like joy. I want to move. I want to express uh, the beauty that I feel. So I gather that this is all very different from rate psychotherapy and antidepressants. Will was saying that it's antidepressants and a small amount of psychotherapy as the main treatment for PTSD. Right. This is very, very different. It's about being able to have the MDMA help the process. The MDMA helps hold them to be able to trust to go into the difficult parts of their trauma. A lot of times antidepressants are about mm, relieving symptoms, but not necessarily going into the actual trauma. Will was telling me that means that people often have to take antidepressants their entire life if they have yes. PTSD. I've had many clients that have been told, you'll have to be on this for the rest of your life with all the side effects involved. One of the things that we heard from many participants who were taking antidepressants beforehand, so they had to taper off their antidepressants in order to be in the study. And a lot of them who had been in an antidepressant for a long time did not realize how much it had compromised their feelings. And they really weren't aware of it because they had been on it for so long. They didn't know to what extent their range of feelings was so narrow and that all of a sudden their range of feelings got so much bigger during the study, realizing that it was safe to have that range of feeling. PTSD made it so that they didn't want that range because then that range was difficult. It was, it maybe it'll send me into uh, despair, right? So then just realizing, wow, like I don't want to go back on an antidepressant even when things are hard because I really realize how much it compromised my life. So antidepressants can be helpful, but um, it also comes at a price. I did not realize that your test people 
have to be off of other mood-altering drugs. But is that a per protocol? Yes. There's certain medications that they can take that are not going to affect their MDMA experience, but they need to get off of all their SSRIs and any, any kind of mood-altering antidepressants, and some anti-anxieties are not taken every day, not necessarily. So they can take some medications that have a very short lifespan. When they taper down from their antidepressants, it has to be five times its half-life. So if a medication has a half-life of um, 20 hours, then it has to be completely off their system for five days before. So they taper down and then maybe be completely off of them for about a week before they take MDMA. No big anti-anxiety drugs if they're taking them every day. No sleep medicines, no antidepressants. How about painkillers? Certain painkillers they can be on, you know, they can take for maybe they have to taper off a few days before. So five times this half-life would be like maybe two days or three days or sometimes just a few hours. But we can give them some rescue medicines like if they need to sleep the night after their MDMA experience, then Will can prescribe something for them that they can use like a, a benzodiazepine or something that, that they can use to sleep. So there are some things that they can do, but mostly they have to get off all their medications. So it sounds like you, when you have somebody come into the t study, you know what medicines they've been on. You know that they count as somebody who has treatment-resistant PTSD. Yes. So you know their medicines, you know their medical history. And then at the end of the study, do you know whether people are back on those medications? We have had a couple of people that went back on some medication, but never what they were taking before. So it's either a very low dose of what they were taking, most never went on any medication again, or haven't since then. And 80% are no longer treatment-resistant PTSD. They don't have the symptoms on the diagnostic tests. It's not 80%. It's more like at the one-year follow-up. It's more like 78, 76, 78%, something like that. But it's very high. You know, a lot of them no longer meet criteria. And for the ones that do meet criteria, they still went down on their clinician-administered PTSD scale at least 30 points, which is a huge amount. So they still got a lot of relief, even if they still meet criteria for PTSD. From what you know about the different treatments for PTSD, do you think this may be one of the good ones? Absolutely. <laughs> I do. <laughs> yes. Certainly some of the ones that are getting pretty good results. <laughs> so I think it's a good treatment for PTSD. Yes. It's kind of getting back to the shamanic idea. You know, we've been such a culture of you give somebody a drug and send them home with a mood-altering drug and then they live their lives and then they come back after having taken it daily in many cases with very little community to support the experience. Yes. You're turning that around. You're using just a little bit of drug with a lot of community interaction with people trained mm -hmm. to not run away from this. Right. That integration is such a big piece that even if somebody has a profound experience on a psychedelic, 
on MDMA, for instance. The other step is uh, how does this profound experience get integrated into everyday life? How does it change the way a person sees the world? How does it change the way a person sees themselves and their interactions to other people and also what happened to them, right? Like what is the relationship to the trauma and how does that now influence their life? All those insights that happen during the MDMA sessions could just be insights and it was left like that. I tend to call it the trophy experience. It's like a trophy that you can say, I did this experience, I had it, I have the trophy to mark it, but that's it. It stops there. But what we're offering in this model is integrating that experience and finding out how is this going to be different in your life? A lot of people would say that a drug-altering experience is a very special thing, for better or worse. Do you think just regular, ordinary life is a very special thing for people to experience? That is what people with PTSD want to experience. They want to experience life. They, their life is about the past. It's about a story that is already over. And that is what they live in every day, a story that's already over. So there's no room to experience life as it's happening in the moment. And their goal is to go back to that or to even experience it for the first time in their life, to be present with their life as it's happening, to be curious, to learn about today and not to be caught in that story that is gone. I'm Shelley Schlender. Boulder psychotherapist Marcella Otolora is the principal investigator for the Boulder branch of the international FDA-approved clinical trials using MDMA for treatment-resistant PTSD. For more on this topic and other topics related to science, visit howonearthradio.org. 